Good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Thanks to an influx of new calls, I have several great stories to share with you tonight, including a few topics that we haven't touched on in quite a while. But before we get into all that, I'd like to ask for your help with something. Many of you might not know this, but I do not make a dime off of this show. In fact, each episode actually costs me money to produce. I do this merely for fun. Many paranormal shows reach a point where they begin offering a second show for a fee, or they read off several commercials midway through the show. I don't have a problem with that, but personally, I'd like to avoid both of those options. Later next week, I have to reach deep into my pockets and pay for next year's hosting fees. It's not a fortune by any means, but it's also not a drop in the pan. So with that out there, this is where you come in. I'd really appreciate it if you consider a small donation to the show, just to keep the episodes coming for another year. I have thousands of listeners, so if even half of you donated just one dollar, I'd be set for a long while. So if you have it in your heart to donate, even if it's only a buck or two, please venture on over to the website at monstersamonguspodcast.com and click on the donate button. Any amount is a big help and is greatly appreciated. Alright, now that that's off my chest, let's find us some monsters. I started this show almost exactly one year ago today, and for those unlucky enough to have suffered through my first episode, you might remember the subject being Mysterious Black Cats of the Ohio Valley. Well, in a weird twist, I received a message from a gentleman just yesterday about that very same subject. The kicker here is that he also submitted video footage. Here is Michael's story. So I just listened to the first episode of your podcast after searching for something new of interest. I have some things to share with you. July 2014. I was outside doing some yard work and two women drove up to me. They had been looking for their lost dog, which they did eventually find. They were a little frantic. They were in a car but had been driving around our block. One of them was walking behind the car calling the dog. Also, when I say block... That's not quite right. 
I am one of seven houses behind an old abandoned and run-down brickyard. The square around it is about a half a mile. Most of the brickyard is tore down, but there are still some storage buildings. A five or six foot high chain link fence surrounds it, and the brickyard itself sits down about 10 to 20 feet, depending on where you're standing outside of it. They had been directly across from my house and had seen a gigantic black cat walking, then lie down in almost dead center of the brickyard. This girl said she has a German Shepherd, and she was certain that the cat was the same size or larger. The video isn't great, but you can definitely tell it's a cat, but it is 100 to 200 yards away. They said it got up and walked away toward my house. Unfortunately, they didn't film that part. I set up a trail cam in our yard for two months afterwards, but captured nothing besides deer. Two other things worth mentioning. I'm about 22 miles from Tyrone where you spoke of the train derailment. Also, at some point in the mid-90s, my uncle saw a large black cat leap in front of him while on his way to work at 4 a.m. one morning. He said that it was so large that in mid-leap its paws were over the white line at the edge of the road and the tip of its tail was at the center of the road over the yellow lines. He told us that he found out a week before he spotted it, a teenage girl snuck out for a cigarette one night while babysitting and got the crap scared out of her by a giant black cat that was walking through her backyard. He told a friend who worked for the State Game Commission about his encounter. According to his friend, the State Game Commission had released nine black cats sometime in the late 80s and early 90s to help control the deer population. He also told my uncle, you didn't hear it from me and no one is going to admit it. I will attach the video and a couple Google Maps for sighting references and distance. The first map is my location, and Tyrone is in red, the approximate spot where my uncle sighted it, in yellow. The second is to give you an idea of the distance the video was shot from. I enjoyed the first podcast and will be listening to more. Take care. Thank you, Michael. Visit the show notes for this episode to see the video and the two maps detailing where the sighting took place. Without giving too much away, I will say that the video is very intriguing. He's correct in saying that it's clearly a feline, but it's very difficult to tell from the video exactly how large the animal actually is. It's quite possible that it's simply a house cat, but if it is, he's a big boy for sure. Thank you again, Michael. I have a soft spot for these mystery black cat stories. After all, if it weren't for my sighting, this podcast likely would not exist. Our next couple of calls, I'm going to do something a little different. I received two calls over the past week or so that, at least to me, sound very similar. I'm going to play them both, back to back, then discuss what we've heard from both witnesses. So without further delay, here are Julia and Ka's stories. from Northern Virginia, and I have um, kind of an interesting story, but I feel bad because I, um, I've i been listening for like since, <laughs> since the first couple of episodes, and um, I wanted to share my story, but I've just been afraid that uh, it was just too easily explainable, and uh, I just didn't think it'd be worth sharing, and recently I was 
telling it to my mother and she encouraged me to talk about it because she thought it was a lot creepier than <laughs> I, uh, I originally thought it was. So this took place um, about seven years ago. I was in middle school. And at the time, um, my mom and my stepdad had just got together. So they bought a house, um, and we were a blended family for the first time. So it was a little stressful, a jockey period for sure. And um, one night, I think I had just read a scary story, or I was thinking of it. Um, so. I feel like I was probably already paranoid. Um, I got up and I went downstairs to get some water. And I have my cup. And the refrigerator uh, that we had had a little dispenser uh, on the outside. So I um, I put I put this in the dispenser and there's a little light that comes on. And this light is kind of um, maybe like a one or two feet ring around me about maybe like 12 feet off or so just in the distance um i see something moving maybe and i can't tell if it was if my first thought was oh haha <laughs> funny or you know oh it's, it's a monster um i can't tell if uh you know i was originally thinking that and then i saw something or if i saw something and then started you know immediately trying to rationalize it but either way, after I first had that thought, I then realized that whatever I was seeing was rapidly coming towards me. It was uh, just, it was just a shadow, and it was small, maybe um, it was a two two feet wide creature. It was it was on all fours, and it was crawling very fast towards me. And I, I, I just froze. I was scared. I was just following this thing with my eyes as it was getting closer and closer. And as soon as it reached this halo of light around me, it, it was gone. I think the the thing that surprised me the most was I, I realized my uh, whole body was in a kind of defensive <laughs> position. My my foot and my hip had uh, turned back, and it, it kind of looked like I was about to kick it if it came too close no matter what it was um and I thought that was kind of funny but uh also a little a little strange because you know when when you're normally scared you or after you see a scary movie or something uh you might pretend you're not scared but you still have that kind of little paranoid feeling uh, your body tenses up you know as you're going back upstairs to go to bed um uh, even if you, you know, try to act normal you still kind of feel like you know, crouching in on yourself, slouching, trying to make your body you know, smaller because you're a little scared. But, but this was this was different. I actually thought there was something there, which which I've I've never had happen before. After this happened, um, I was just trying to rationalize, trying to think uh, why it was not real, and I was thinking I was scared because I. Just read this scary story. I, I think I can't exactly remember. It was, it was a long time ago, um, so maybe I was just scared. Maybe I was just tired. Uh, maybe I just had an overactive imagination. It 
could in any of those things. But uh, the reason I feel like something may have actually been there is because I had a, another experience like that where my I had this physical reaction to to something. I, I really thought something was there, but um, that's, that's another story I can explain explain another time. But I guess something to, important to point out is the story that I read. Um, part of it involved a creature called a boggart, and I guess for anyone who doesn't know, it uh, comes from English folklore. And I pulled it up on Wikipedia. So. <laughs> uh, what it Wikipedia describes it's a household spirit or evil creature uh, that typically lives in marshes if not I guess found in um, certain parts of the house or you know if it's already in a house um, but it tends to cause mischief uh, for things to disappear milk to sour just a bunch of little drips and uh, quote it will follow a family wherever it flees, and it can crawl into beds, put clammy little hands on your face, or strip bed sheets off, or um, pull people's ears. I don't remember any of that happening with us, but there was set seven of us in this one house, so I can't speak for everybody. But even if it did happen to me, I didn't really um, think it was because of that. Uh, of the spirit or anything. Again, I was probably just thinking, oh, I, I get the sheets off in my sleep or or something. I don't know if this was a bogart from what I was reading online, even if it was some kind of household spirit. It doesn't sound like it would be this small creature. I don't know if I could say it was a shadow person, but it was definitely weird. And I, at least my body definitely thought there was something there. So that's my story. Let me know what you thought. Thanks. Hello, my name is Kai. Uh, I recently found your podcast through End of the Fray and uh, really enjoy it. So I figured this would be a great place to share my small but unique encounter. My encounter takes place Friday, February 10th, 2017. It happened in Odessa, Texas at my aunt and uncle's house, which I am currently living at for job reasons. And this is kind of how it went. Uh, I went upstairs. My, for context, my bedroom is at the end of the hall. Well, my bathroom is at the very end of the hall. My bedroom is to the right, just before the before the bathroom. It's only about two or three steps. Well, the hall was dark, so I flipped the light on, walked down the end of the hall, put my hand cleaner on the counter of my bathroom. Well, my door was open about two or three inches, you know, not much, and uh, so I turn I turn around go back in go to go back into my door or go into my bedroom not back into it go into it and as i go into it i reach in with my arm turn on the light and hit the door open with my shoulder you know instead of taking time to just push it with my hand you know reach in hit with my shoulder and turn on the light as i do that there's this brown humanoid figure about a foot tall climbing into my bed or out of my bed can't really tell and this all happens in the split second as the door comes wide open it is I assume crawling out of my bed 
it falls to it hops to the ground I guess you could say kind of backs off you know off to the ground and and kind of looks at me as it falls I remember seeing vague icon having vague eye contact with this little creature and its head was abnormally large for its body for only being a foot tall its head must have been four or five inches you know tall and like four or five inches around it was very odd shaped and uh it hits the ground and about the time it hits the ground it turns and goes towards the closet all in a split second and disappears right before it gets to the closet now mind you there isn't but like two steps a step for a person but two steps for his, this creature to get to the closet it's not very it's not very far it's not big at all it disappears before it gets to the closet as it disappears I look back towards my bed and you know how you have covers hanging off your bed you know four or five six seven inches somewhere in there depending on who you are and how big your sheets are hanging off well my bed was not made up because I'd rushed off to work that morning and I only had about four inches hanging off the bed well you know how you pick it up you know you just pick up one piece and it kind of makes it I guess a teepee if you were looking at it sideways and eye level you know pick it up about bed level it falls like you dropped it from there now that's the only thing that made me think that this wasn't my or made me know this was not my imagination was the fact that the or the cover itself fell back onto the bed like as if somebody had been up in the bed or something had been up under the covers in the bed so i mean i don't know what it was my aunt and uncle are the first to own this house so there's not like been anyone who died or anything in the house it's not the first odd thing i've seen i've seen a few in my short time living there i've seen a few what looks to be shadows moving at night you know just odd things that i can't you know i don't think are my imagination but at the same time you know i know your eyes can play tricks on you and you know that it's just it's just odd the lighting doesn't match up with the shadows they move kind of back and forth it's just weird things like that my aunt and uncle never really went into the back of the house before i moved in and still don't you know they don't go back there so i don't expect them to have seen anything and they haven't so that's my little encounter story yeah i hope maybe you you can use this and see if anyone else has seen anything like this uh i don't think it's any of your little gremlins that you asked if anybody had ever seen but because i've not had a bunch of serious unfortunate events happen so i don't think it's a gremlin it's something odd love your show and good luck with it thank you Thank you both for your submissions. There are obvious similarities between these two calls, despite the fact that they take place far from one another. Both entities encountered were small in stature. They both seemed to disappear into thin air, and both were seen in a home. Obviously, there are a few discrepancies, the most obvious being that Ka's creature seemed to be solid while Julia's took more of a shadow form, and that one was on all fours while the other 
was upright. But those details aside, the two stories seem very similar to me. Now here's the part where I normally offer up explanations, but truth be told, I have no idea what these creatures could be. A few obvious suggestions would be alien entities, interdimensional creatures, overactive imaginations, visual trickery, or even a misidentified animal such as a rat or lizard. Of course, it could always be the Boggart creature that Julia mentioned. But aside from all that, I'm at a loss. So instead of trying to rationalize these encounters or offer up other examples, I'm going to turn to you. Has anyone out there experienced anything like what our two colors just described? Perhaps, with more examples, we can begin to uncover what might be going on here. Once again, thank you both for submitting. Now, it wouldn't be a full Monsters Among Us episode without a little ghostly activity. So, here you go. Uh, hey, Derek. Uh, it's kind of a weird story that happened last summer. Uh, I was visiting my mom in Ontario, Canada, and we decided to go to the museum that she works at. Uh, it's, it's in an old, old house, and a lot of the original pieces of furniture, uh, pictures, and decorations are still in the house. Um, while going on a tour, uh, we reached a spot on the upper floor, and I had this urge to turn to my mom and just ask, are there any ghosts or any reports of weird happenings in the building? Mom doesn't say a word, just smiles, and we continue in the next couple of rooms. Uh, we went into one of the old bedrooms, uh, the original owner's wife. Uh, and I got this feeling of just chills and not being able to breathe. My mom comes in shortly after, and she just says, Hello, I'm back for another day of work. I hope you're well. Uh, at that moment, I got my breath back, but that odd feeling just it stayed until I left the room. Uh, we went into the next room, which was the owner of the house's room, and again, I got chills and this nervous feeling. Uh, my mom informed me that in this room, both the male and female had died of natural causes. We went downstairs, and while standing in the lobby, I heard this thumping above me, like footsteps. Not knowing for sure if that's what it was, or if it was just sounds from outside, I walked into the first room, which was also under the bedrooms, and again I heard the sounds of three steps. Uh, a little while later, my wife had seen some local crafts that she wanted to buy, so I went out to the car to get her some change, and when I was outside, I had this urge uh, to look up into the window of the house. Uh, it was like someone was calling my name, you know, and wanted me to look. I got back inside, asked my mom what room that window goes to, and she said it was the owner's office and bedroom. Uh, the week after, my aunt had gone to visit my mom, and my mom took her on a tour of the house. Uh, she explained feeling the same things that I did while walking around um, and on her way out she had the same urge to look up at the window but when she did she also took a picture when she looked at the picture she said uh, she noticed that in the window was the face of a woman wearing a bonnet hat uh, that looks uh, like uh, I forget the time period but she, she was wearing the clothes that would be worn you know back then as well um, when she showed the picture to me two days later, 
noticed lowering the window the face of a man wearing a small top hat and suit-style clothing. About a month later, I went back for another visit, and as soon as I entered the room, I was drawn to uh, the wall of their old dining room. And in that room was a picture of a man and a woman. As soon as I looked at it, I knew the faces. It was the same faces of the figures in the window in the picture my aunt showed me a few weeks before. Um, it, it feels as though all these spirits in the house want is to be noticed that they're still around. Every time my mom goes in, she says hello and asks how they are. If for some reason she forgets, something in the building doesn't turn on until she does say hello or acknowledges that she's there. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed my encounter. I love your podcast and I can't wait for the next episode week after week. Thank you, caller. There's a funny thing that happens in these older haunted locations. People eagerly sign up for a tour of a purportedly haunted location simply for the chance to encounter something a bit otherworldly. This is where that funny thing comes in. Folks go into the situation with anticipation of something that might happen. It's then that they begin to assign the paranormal to anything strange or peculiar that might take place while on said tour. For example, sometimes if I stand too long without moving, I get a little lightheaded. I don't faint or anything, but my head gets a little swimmy. I suppose it has something to do with circulation. But if this were to happen while I was on a tour of a supposed haunted location, I might construe this as an attack from the other side, or at the very least some sort of sign. I guess you can say that you get into your own head. That's not to say that that's what happened to our caller. I'm just laying the groundwork for some sort of logical explanation. Of course, each case is different, and who's to say that physical effects aren't possible and that they don't happen? I might also mention that I'd love to see the photograph the caller references. It sounds like it could be a very clear image. Thank you again for sharing your encounters. Before we explore the final call of the week... I have a quick little story that harkens back to a call in last week's episode. Jude called in to share his experience with what he believed was his guardian angel. Well, this quick little story also touches on the possibility of some sort of unseen protector. This is Scott's story. Before I start, I plead guilty as stupid dad of the year. This happened about 30 years ago. My wife, whom was pregnant... Myself and our two-year-old son went to an old broken dam south of Gardnerville, Nevada. We wanted to escape the heat by swimming. Everything went well. We decided to get home, so I took our son up the trail to the car, about 50 feet above the river. My wife was slowly waddling her way up the trail behind us. I put my son down with me between my son and the cliff. I opened the trunk and took my eye off my son for no more than two seconds as I put the cooler in the trunk. I turned to grab my son, and he was gone. Frantically, I looked for him. After maybe ten seconds, I saw him walking towards his mother. Problem was, he was very close to the cliff. I ran toward him and was about ten feet away from him when, to my horror, he stumbled into a wash and started to slide toward the cliff's edge. I jumped into the wash between my son and the cliff and grabbed him up. 
However, my weight caused a wash to collapse and my son and I slid toward and off the cliff. It was about 50 feet down to the rocky water below. I tucked my son up like a running back would a football under both arms. I planned on landing on my feet, absorbing as much of the impact as possible, then rolling the force onto my back to protect my son. That did not happen. I landed as perfectly as a gymnast sticking the dismount, not even the slightest stumble. My son, giggling, looked up at me and said, Fun, Daddy. Again? A witness said my son and I did a vertical 360 before landing. I have no recollection of such a maneuver. The one clear recollection I have was how soft and controlled the landing was. I was airborne in the military and can tell you that landing was far softer than landing with a chute. My son sustained zero injuries. I have some scars on my backside from the slide down the cliff, but I too suffered zero injuries from the fall and subsequent landing. Guardian Angel? Thank you, Scott. As I read this story, my mind went another direction. What if instead of a guardian angel, you tapped into some sort of superhuman ability? The thought of your child in danger triggered something in your subconscious that allowed you to perform above-average maneuvers to keep him from harm's way. Regardless, I'm happy to hear that you both escaped the incident without injury. Thank you again for submitting. And finally our final call of the evening. I won't lie to you, I'm quite anxious to play this one. I've been dying for more calls like this, so without further ado, here it is. Hey, my name is Scott. Uh, I've been listening to some of your old podcasts, and uh, I don't know if this is valid anymore, but uh, I heard you sending out a bit of request for Bigfoot-related stories, and uh, I've got one for you. Uh, I, uh, I have an uncle that um, lived in the uh, Santa Cruz Mountains. And for people not familiar with Santa Cruz Mountains, um, where he lived was between a community called Los Gatos, which is near San Jose, and between uh, that and uh, Santa Cruz, California, which is on the coast. Uh, Santa Cruz Mountains are, aren't particularly high mountains, but being their coastal mountains, they're uh, extremely dense and lush vegetation. There's places there where if somebody was trying to hide from you, they could be 10 feet away and you wouldn't even know they were there. And uh, went up to spend the, the summer with him, and he has a small log cabin. It's, it's modern, but, but log cabin style home. And uh, he's a, an outdoor enthusiast. At this time, he was in his mid-50s and had kind of given up hunting and that kind of stuff. But he but he still enjoyed you know, going out and hiking and very knowledgeable about uh, wildlife. And I was getting settled in and he was giving me the, you know, these are going to be your chores and these are the kind of things we're going to do this summer. And, you know, just kind of an opportunity to get to know one of my dad's brothers a little better. And, um, but one thing that kind of struck me a little odd is he says, but he says in the evenings, he says, I don't want you going outside the fence area. I had one of those six foot redwood fences without, you know, me being with you. And he says, and I don't want you wandering, uh, even in the daytime, I don't want you wandering too far from the house. And I asked him why I was like 16 at the time and, and was fairly experienced in the outdoors myself. And he says, you know, you can get really turned around in these mountains and 
get lost pretty easily. So until you get, you know, more comfortable, he said, I, I don't want you wandering off without me with you. And I, it just seemed kind of weird, like there was more to it than that. But I just took him at his word, and I was, oh, okay, you know, no, no, no big deal. And the, the summer went along. Um, you know, we, we hiked and fished and did some camping and went to the coast and had a great time overall. And uh, one night I was uh, doing the dishes um, and he had one of those uh, bay windows um, looked out over the backyard. And, um, you know, sometimes you get that feeling like, like you're being watched. And uh, I had that feeling. I was like, oh, how weird. And that's like, you know. But I could hear my uncle. He was uh, splitting some some wood because uh, even in the summertime, being up in the mountains, it's, it's very damp. Not real cold, but it, it's damp and cool. And so he liked to have a little fire going. And I could hear him, um, you know, splitting some kindling and stuff like that. But I still have this feeling like I was being watched. And it was just about twilight. I'm looking around a little bit, and 60 feet away from me. I see kind of the atypical description of Bigfoot. I can see it um, from just below where its pectoral muscles would be. Mind you, this is a six-foot redwood fence. Just below where its pectoral muscles are and up. Big old hands up on the redwood fence. It's just kind of looking around in the backyard. And I'm assuming with the reflection of the glass that it couldn't see me. And I was, you know, transfixed and kind of a combination of a little scared and excited and amazed in the whole nine yards and I turned to call for my uncle and I'm assuming that uh, it saw the movement in the window because when I looked back um, it was pulling its hands off the fence and just very casually kind of meandered off into the uh, off into the brush and like I said it was twilight starting to get kind of dark and I watched it for maybe another 10 seconds and then I couldn't see it anymore and my uncle came in he goes what and I was kind of speechless and he goes oh you saw him he said it kind of nonchalantly and I was taken aback by this a little bit and I said well you, you mean you see him regularly he goes well no not regularly but once or twice a year since I've lived here and he lived there for quite a while and I guess being young and not really thinking about the big picture I was like well why haven't you told anybody about this I mean you could be famous you could make money you know um, and he goes and if I did and if they happen to somehow capture this thing or heaven forbid kill it and he says then what do I have on my conscience and I never really thought about it like that and, and he said now don't get me wrong, if he was vicious or thought he was dangerous or anything like that, then he would have reported it. But he's just, he sees him once or twice a year, and he kind of seems like he's just kind of checking out the place, and then he moseys on his way, and he says, uh, he's not bothering me, so why should I try and make life hard for him? Now, as far as the description of the creature, it was uh, there was a six-foot-tall redwood fence, and like I said, you could see the base of his pectoral muscles. And so I'm assuming he was about eight, eight and a half feet tall. The fur was long and scraggly and kind of a medium, I don't know, a medium brown, um, medium to dark brown. 
the face kind of looked like the typical description you've seen of a, of a Bigfoot, you know, kind of a hybrid between a, a gorilla and a human. He didn't seem aggressive at all. He really just did look like he was just kind of just checking out the backyard. And like I said, I, I think when I turned to call for my uncle, he noticed the movement in the window. And then he just kind of sauntered off. No sense of urgency, no nothing aggressive either. Just kind of more like, oh, well, I guess it's time to go. I was a little scared at first because the creature's so immense and it's the unknown. But um, I know some people have reported this sense of, like, peace and kumbaya kind of stuff, and other people have expressed sheer terror. I, I, me, it was more like if you see a, a big bear or a wildcat, you know, in the wild that's far enough away where it's not an immediate threat, um, you know, you're a little bit on alert, a little bit cautious, but I wouldn't describe myself as being terrified or at peace. It was just kind of like, oh, well, this could be good or bad. Um, and, uh, that's about it. Uh, myself personally, I have, my, my uncle has since passed away, but I was back there a few more times. Um, and, uh, never sought out, never tried to, to, to see the creature again. Um, but I certainly wouldn't have been averse to if he had made an appearance. Um, that's about it. Uh, thank you very much and guys have a great day and keep up the good job with the show. Bye-bye. Thank you, Scott. What I wouldn't give for an encounter like Scott's. I do think it's interesting that his uncle acknowledged the big guy's existence. And while I understand his point, I wish he felt a little bit differently. Perhaps then, Sasquatch would no longer be a myth. But instead, a reality. And that's going to do it for this episode. But before we close this out, a few quick pieces of business. I'm only a few short weeks away from launching the official sign-up for Cryptid Crate. So if you have any interest at all, please sign up for email updates at cryptidcrate.com. By signing up, you are automatically eligible for discounts on your first box. In addition, you can follow Cryptid Crate on both Facebook and Instagram for further updates. The calls have been flowing in lately, so thank you for that. But that doesn't mean we're off the hook. To keep this show rolling, I need calls. The 24-hour hotline is 1-888-608-NIGHT or 1-888-608-6444. As always, you can visit the website for more submission options. Don't forget to hit that donate button if you're enjoying the show. Make life a little easier on me, won't you? In addition to a donation, rating and reviewing the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcatcher you use is also very beneficial. So please consider doing that as well. Also, please like the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to enjoy the full experience. Finally, today, Monsters Among Us reached 300,000 downloads. I realize for most shows that's not a huge achievement, but for someone like me... Who approaches this as a hobby, I'm very excited and proud to reach such a number. Thank you to all of you out there that helped make that a reality. Here's to 300,000 more. Thank you to the incredible Warren Pon Abbott for his vocal contributions to tonight's show. 
And finally, music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World 1986. Thank you all for listening, and until next week.